Hey, St. John, welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I am Deacon Stalia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hey, Deaconess. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Sorry, I am I'm well. Is that, there we go. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm glad you are well. This is, Hey, this is an Around the Sermon episode. <laughs> this is our second one. Yep, our second Around the Sermon episode, which is code for? No sermon. No sermon. This is off topic. Yep, off topic. Um, our first one was with uh, Pastor Worrell. That's right. It was with Pastor Worrell. And this one is a pre-call day podcast episode. Yes, which means I have to get this out before call day for it to count. Good luck. Thank you. This is an opportunity for us to talk about the whole placement process and just to get into some of the details that you may not know about um, call day, I guess. So let's start. Yeah, I guess we should give like a bit of a disclaimer. This could be an interesting podcast for some of you, and some of you might just find this really boring, and we won't be offended if you just, you know, move on with your life. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. Sorry, but I'll, I'll, I think I'll, most I'll, of you guys will find this super interesting. Yeah, so I'll, still I'll clarify. In. I'll be really boring, uh, uh, but, you know, that's all. This is really selling this episode. Yep. <laughs> so let's dive in. Can you tell us about the placement process? Sure. Uh, so our seminaries, uh, we have Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Concordia Seminary St. Louis, and of course, St. Louis. Uh, they have their placement services next week, and this is where they're going to assign uh, students eligible for vicarage and deaconess students for their internships. And then those students who have completed their studies uh, will receive their calls as deaconesses and pastors. And this is, in a lot of ways, this is why seminaries exist, is to create pastors, deaconesses, church workers for the mission of the church. But there's a long process that leads up to this day, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of ways it goes back to like your first day at seminary. Like you arrive knowing that call day is coming for you (laughs) Uh, at that point four years from now. But it's it's why you're all there is you're heading towards call day. You're heading towards the day when you receive your assignment, your call from God through his church to serve his church. And so there's a great deal of uh, collaborative unity just that takes place amongst the students because, yeah, you're heading towards call day. Um, and so with that in mind, it shapes your studies. It shapes uh, your devotion life. It shapes when you worship together in chapel and, and all this. Uh, it's you're being prepared for this moment. So maybe we should talk some of the brass tacks of placement and calls and stuff. This is where it's going to get kind of boring. Well, I did want to bring up one thing sure. that I find really cool. Um, I mean, it's one thing to feel that you're being called to uh, the pastoral office, um, but then it's another thing to actually receive a call outside of yourself. Yes. Right? This is um, actually a huge point for yeah, and sometimes you might hear the phrase like, you know, I have an inner call, but in a way that means nothing if you don't receive a call from, you know, from a congregation where in this case, the congregation is, uh, correct me, I'm hoping I'm saying this right, but they're using the seminary to extend Yeah, yeah so this is all part of the placement stuff. So, yeah. yeah, so what you're bringing up is these are some really important terms. There's something known as the immediate call and the immediate call. So immediate versus immediate. Uh, the immediate call kind of refers to the inner call, or sometimes we hear people say, like, I feel God is leading me to do this. And it very well could be. It could be. Or just could be you just have a feeling, and it's not anything divine or inspired. 
Yeah. Um, and this kind of comes in, in one, in some sense, we all experience this, not, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I should say this is a lowercase C call of just, we have different vocations that maybe we, you know, we are really yearning to be a teacher one day and we have this, this feeling, but in a way that means nothing until we actually are offered a job to be a teacher. And then we have that, um, if you will, confirmation of getting a call to be a teacher. Right, right. So no, it's similar. I don't know if I you th- I think, think that, so. I think it's, it's analogous for sure. Um, but one of the things to, um, we were it was impressed upon us right away in seminary is you are not called. <laughs> 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 and that's, uh, there's, there's a few moments in seminary where they try to, you know, they break you down and humble you and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's one of those moments. Which I'm sure all you guys needed a little bit. Right. And, and I don't remember the exact moment, but it wouldn't surprise me if the prof is like, how many of you are, are, are called to be a pastor? And of course we all raise our hands because we're all naive first year seminarians. And it's like, none of you are called. Like, uh, that's kind of, you know, but to the point of God calls people into work in the church. And he calls them immediately through something. He uses means. And this just ties in so much with our theology. God works through means to hand out his grace. Our God always works through means to care for his creation and to redeem his creation. How does God feed you? He works through the means of farmers and stores and truck drivers and stoves, right? That prepare food for us. How does God give you the forgiveness of sins? He works through the means of bread and wine, water through baptism, the words of forgiveness that someone speaks. God is always working through means. And so even when he brings workers into his church, he calls, he works immediately through his church. So do you want to go into um, more details of the process? So the, the process of placement and receiving your call, it's, it ebbs and flows. I mean, it's absolutely directed by the spirit and we trust that, and the Spirit is at work, and, and God is accomplishing His will, no matter how much we finagle with the process. And that's kind of an interesting thing, is, of course, God's will is certainly done. And there's also a fully human reality. It's fully divine and fully human. And so there's things like we sat down with one of the directors of placement, and he interviewed us, uh, Rachel and I, and we just kind of talked about maybe we're we like to serve just kind of areas of the country or types of city or uh, types of ministry going on, and you know, interests or preferences or even just our sort of skill sets, you know, how that served the wider church and work. And, um, and they, they try to take that data into consideration. And then there are churches that are applying for candidates. They're applying for a pastor or a deaconess, and they'll kind of put in some input as well. And there could even be things like interviews. And we sat down and interviewed with various congregations. But it's I, not guaranteed that you'll have an interview, right? No, it's not. And so this is kind of the ebb and flow stuff. So there are different eras when the seminaries would like have less of like the human planning stuff and kind of over-spiritualize the call rather than just trusting it's fully human and fully divine. And can you go... You can go so, too far in the other direction. You can go too. so far the other way where it's just a very humanly contrived thing and just doesn't really seem like God's at work. So again, the call process is fully human and fully divine. And can we get so caught up in overly spiritualizing this and just like, you know, God's going to do it and no input from us and all this. And can you get so caught up in like, I'm going to completely manufacture all those strings here and, and get what I want. We can fall off the cart in either way here, but just trust that God's certainly at work, and it's a fully human process as well. And so the seminaries will kind of ebb and flow in tension like that, that sometimes there are, there was a, um, a time when there weren't a lot of interviews. 
And now this is an era where there, there are more interviews, but it's not even a guaranteed thing. Um, often the interviews are just if you're going into like an associate pastor sort of situation. Um, but if you're going into a soul ministry, you usually don't get interviewed. But I think if I remember right, there was even some exception that like if you were heading into a really challenging ministry situation, even as a soul pastor, there might be an interview in there just to kind of give you a heads up that this might be what you're heading into. But um, a lot of the way, you usually just don't know where you're going until call day itself and your name is read aloud and you're given an envelope and off you go. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think, so they can definitely take into consideration, you know, what they're learning about about you in these interviews. But doesn't necessarily mean like if you say you'd prefer to be close to family, doesn't mean for sure that you would get that. But they definitely want you to maybe be in a place where you would thrive with the congregation. I think that's fair. And there are so many dynamics at play. Um, we haven't even talked about district presidents yet and their role in it. I was about to yeah. mention the yeah. districts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's a fine line between like you are going into ministry you are making sacrifices and sometimes that sacrifice is even just geographical preference for the right. sake of Christ and his church. Because again, who is calling you into the ministry? Well, God is. And the congregation he's placing you into, these are his people for you to care for. And that's true whether you like the geography or not. Right, right. And I was just given that example yeah yeah but no, for sure but like this is this is the the it's fully human and fully divine and so like we always just as long as you kind of playing both. with yeah. you know kind of emphasizing both tensions that's that's probably where it seems best that's true so let's talk a little bit you mentioned district presidents so how many districts do we have of missouri synod sure so lutheran church missouri synod we divide ourselves up mostly <laughs> geographically uh, <laughs> mostly mostly yeah Except two yeah so there's was it there's 35 districts um, and 33 of them are geographic. So the Ohio district, for instance, is all of Ohio, all of West Virginia, and a little bit of Kentucky. Um, Illinois is divided into three districts, right? Northern, Central, and Southern Illinois. And so it just kind of depends uh, how the districts get cut up. A lot of it just deals with, you know, where are our churches, where's the population of our church body, and just trying to sort of separate it out. Each district elects a district president. Um, in other church bodies, the work would be like a bishop. You know, and he just kind of oversees the district. He oversees the congregations and pastors there. And the district presidents, in a lot of ways, are gatekeepers. Uh, they're there to take care of the churches in their district. And the district presidents all work together to uh, bring pastors and church workers into the districts. Oh, we never mentioned the non-geographic ones. Uh, that's the, yeah. yeah, that's the English district. And then you used to be a part of the other one, which is the SCLC district, which is stands for. Well, it used to have an acronym, but they took that away. So yeah. it's, it's just SCLC. Yeah. So it used to be, like <laughs> it used to be a historically Slovak district, yeah, Slovak, but, yep. but right. So it's, it's non-geographic. So there are churches in Florida, Indiana, Illinois, I believe Ohio yeah. too. Yep. And yeah, I, I think, think a couple uh, other states. Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then the English district, uh, they're all over the place as well, the non-geographic. And this just goes to some of our church body's history of you have uh, immigrants, Lutheran immigrants, to the country, and you just try to band you together however you can. And Lutheran American history is, is something to consider and study. But a lot of Lutherans were, of course, German and spoke German. There were some English Lutherans, so they became the English district. 
or they became an English Lutheran church body and then joined the Missouri Synod, and they kind of retained that identity. Same with the Slovak. But those identities matter less now since then, but there's still that kind of history and heritage there. Right, because I think there are now churches that are part of it that would not be, like like especially church plants are not historically Slovak, so they no longer identify with that, um, but it's definitely part of their history as a district. Right, and so it's interesting as a church body, we still honor that non-geographic nature of those two districts. Yeah, and, it's just, and you know, I, the church is just a it's a it's a fully divine thing and it's a fully human thing and it has interesting realities like that, I guess. Right. I just want to say I know maybe some people might think it's more adv- advantageous to be part of a geographic district, but I know I've told you I I love the SLC district and think it was a really great one. Um I've heard good things about English district as well and so it's just kind of cool to see some of the history behind these these districts. And so again, there's 35 of these districts. So there's 35 district presidents and they get together with, um, I think the synod president, all the synod vice presidents, and they make up what's known as the COP, the council of presidents, which sounds super fancy. It does. Yeah. I want what no prestige. I have no interest in ever being in those meetings that you mean that famous last words. Oh boy. So, um, <laughs> and they get together and they work with the placement directors of our two seminaries. And here's the candidates who are available. And again, these district presidents, they know their congregations, they know the needs that are there, they know what's where their vacancies, who needs an associate, you know, all this sort of stuff. And here is the harvest this year, if you will. Where is the Lord going to send these folks out into ministry? And they got to figure it out. Uh, historically, last several years, maybe you know, 10, 15 years now, there have been significantly more calls into the seminaries for pastors and deaconesses than pastors and deaconesses available. And uh, this is something the seminaries and our church bodies working on. And it's a thing across all the church, you know, outside of our denomination. But, you know, there are churches that need a pastor and have applied to the seminaries and they're not going to get one. And so that's a really tough thing. And that's, I mean, I don't want to be in those meetings because those district presidents have to figure that out. I mean, they have names and faces. They have congregations they are accountable to and visit. And um, how do you sift all that out? And so... Um, a lot of prayers involved in the process, a lot of trusting that, you know, God is going to carry out his work and, and trying to, you know, have those good fits, uh, for the, not because like, it's just good to have a good fit, but rather how do we care for the church, um, its workers and for its people. So the council of presidents meets the weekend prior to call day. So this coming weekend, uh, the COP is getting together and they're probably getting together in Fort Wayne. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, let's go on to who we know is going to be at call day. Our very own uh, James Burke. So he was the second vicar that we had last year. We'll be there, him and his family. And this will be where he receives his call. Right. So again, uh, James is at the St. Louis Seminary. And so that'll be next Wednesday. Um, There will be the vicarage placement service earlier that day. It'll be four o'clock our time. But in the evening, um, eight o'clock our time will be the placement service. And that's where he'll receive his call and he'll line up and they'll say his name and they will say pastor or associate pastor or missionary. He would definitely get a heads up if he's a missionary and go down the country. <laughs> um, but, you know, and he's here, here's where you're going. Name the yeah. church, name the district. And then yeah. he'll now be, then he'll be, okay, I'm going to get this wrong. Will he be pastor elect? Yeah, sometimes you, people use that expression. And yeah. then it's not till his ordination service. That yeah, so we're getting to some fun pastoral <laughs> theology stuff of when do you become a pastor? 
Uh, we, right. were t- we were told at the beginning of seminary, you're not called, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, at this point, he so, is called. Yeah. Um, but there's also the, the role of ordination and, you know, the laying on of hands and the, and the making of vows. And it's call, ordination. It's just kind of, it, it, it's just, it, it's all of it just kind of makes you and brings you into the pastoral office. And so some folks are really say it's the call that makes you a pastor. It's your ordination that makes you a pastor. It's just kind of shocker. It's attention. It's just, it's just kind of both. It just kind of let the process be the process. Um, and yeah, James is being, he's going to be brought into the pastoral office relatively soon here. This, uh, would this be a good time for me to bring up the call watch party that we have? Sure. So we've been doing this the past few years, uh, ever since we started having vicars, and uh, the seminaries, both of them, put on live streams. And so you can go to their websites, and we'll make sure to include links in the show notes for Fort Wayne's live streams and also St. Louis's live streams. And the nice thing is how that lines up this year. It's Monday is Fort Wayne's Vicarage, Tuesday is Fort Wayne's Call Placement Service, Wednesday St. Louis always does them both on the same day, and there's some history behind why each seminary does that. So you can watch them all, and it's really neat uh, to see the Lord send out laborers into the harvest fields. Yeah, I think it's been a really fun tradition that we've started here at St. John to get to see these services. Um, not only because we know people, but I know a lot of people who will watch, and I, be- I believe this includes you guys. Like, you guys will watch these services, even if you don't know anyone. Like, yes. just because it's, it's such a big day, and, you know, even if we don't know them, there still are brothers in Christ, well, and sisters, we've got deaconesses as well. Yes. Um, and just to see that they're just literally all being spread out. To, yes. They don't know where, so there's a lot of excitement in the air. Yeah, yeah, there's some, uh, there's definitely some nostalgia factor, I think, uh, just thinking back to that day, because again, like, you head towards call day when you started seminary, you know, that's what you're heading towards. And then looking back on it, and um, yeah, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ that the Lord is sending out and we are connected to them by our baptism. And there's something really beautiful about that. And for those of you who have not watched the services before, I highly encourage you to. So we're having the call day watch party, as you said, next Wednesday from four to whenever the thing ends, we'll have food. It's just kind of a come and go and hang out and we totally get schedules and whatnot. Uh, But there's something really cool to join in those services and, We'll watch them in the sanctuary. We'll have games and food and whatever. But it's uh, it's neat to see. It's way cooler than the NFL draft. Um, and, but <laughs> I it, would agree with that. <laughs> but it's uh, but it's it's akin to the NFL draft, and just you just don't know where you're going until the selection is made. Um, and in this case, the spirit, the spirit's at work. And it might be good to clarify. I know we briefly mentioned this, but there is a difference between the call that like. James Burke is getting, um, and then the placement that they're going to have earlier of the vicars. Right. So that four o'clock service is the vicarage placement service. Yeah. Vicars are not pastors. Right. So they're not receiving a call to become a vicar. They're being being placed. Right. Right. They're just heading into internships. The deaconesses, they're heading out in their internships. And yeah. And that was something, speaking of deaconesses, um, but something that was drilled into my head when I was at Concordia was we are deaconess students. We are not deaconesses. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe similar to what you got of like, you are not called yet as a pastor. I right. got that with you are not a deaconess. You are a deaconess student. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, uh, and then when I was an intern, mm-hmm. I had to make that distinction as well. I'm in deaconess intern. I'm not a deaconess yet. Yeah. There was something that we, back when I was at Vicarage, 
we got to rely upon saying, well, I'm just a vicar. I don't know. You should talk to the pastor. Like, the, you know, uh, I know it was vic- nice, vicar right? Vicar Allen still gets to make that excuse. Uh, soon, uh, James will not get to make that excuse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's placement. You, you're not called until you're called. And in this case, James is getting the call. Our next vicar is just getting placed to serve as a vicar uh, next year. So what to say of all this, Deaconess, and I'm sorry for my ramblingness, and I'm feeling all like nostalgic and stuff during this episode, but... It's great. Uh, call day is really cool because we get to see uh, we get to see God at work through his church, sending out laborers into his church, and it is always reason to celebrate, and um, I encourage you all to keep this in prayer, uh, to keep... Um, these uh, pastors and deaconesses and interns and vicars heading out in your prayers. Deaconess students. Excuse me, deaconess students. Uh, Thank you. And um, we belong in this church and it's, it's good to see this and um, yeah. And it's just a joy as a, as a vicarage congregation that we get to help in this formation process that these vicars that come through, they're heading out to churches to be their pastor to bring the the absolution, the supper, baptism to the people there. We are part of all of our vicar's journeys in that. Well, I think this wraps up our Around the Sermon episode for today. Yeah, very off topic. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to our discussion. Um, Pastor, I believe you mentioned that the links to the live streams are going to be in the show notes. Yep. You can also just look up our seminary's websites. You'll see it there. Um, yeah. So definitely watch the call, call day live streams. And I think they even like, they'll do stuff like afterwards. They'll put up like a Google map and kind of show where everyone gets sent out and stuff. And Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's there's fun things like that, that they do. Cool. Well, very good. Well, thank you guys for listening to our episode. Um, Thanks pastor for joining me and hope to see you guys um, at the watch party next week. Thanks all. Okay. Take care you guys. Bye. I wonder if anyone's getting a call to Alaska.